And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. We are live from the bunker on our regular day. Happy to have all of you with us. Let me uh, get a couple of things going the way they're supposed to go. I have uh, I have some stuff turned off because... Anyway, all right. Hi, everybody. Welcome. We are, we are live broadcasting to Facebook, YouTube, and Odyssey. And uh, it's Wednesday, and we're one step closer to our 500th episode on uh, on December 30th. Uh, this show is also available on a number of podcast platforms, and we might have an announcement about some of that uh, a little bit later on. So you want to tune in on the 30th. Just saying. Uh, you can leave us a comment. You can jump in the live chat. Email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com if you want to uh, share your thoughts, give us opinions, suggest topics. That's also a, a possibility as well. And uh, last week we talked about the FTX collapse. This week we're going to get a little bit uh, a little bit broader in our in our scope because there's still a lot of other things happening. Uh, joining me today so far, Culture Casino hasn't showed up yet, but we've got Dan Danford and Matt Stevens here in the in the the, the lane to talk about things financial i guess i don't i don't even know where to start i mean the twitter thing the twitter thing i think is going to open up so many other other things and i guess i guess something we could start there because i i keep seeing the back and forth about you know well these companies are not going to advertise on twitter anymore they're taking their money away and i keep looking at this and i'm thinking that's not how that works that's not how advertising works, because if you're if you're an advertising client, I've been in media. Dan, you're you're probably familiar with this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if Matt, if you've had any experience with this or not, but if you're an advertising client, you're you're paying for advertising space, whether it's a TV commercial or a newspaper ad or a magazine ad or a web ad or something. You're spending money to run an ad, and these involve contracts, whether it's just you know, putting in an order at Facebook for so many ads to run so much time, or if you're going to run a TV commercial in the 10 o'clock news for six months, there's there's paperwork involved in this stuff. And if you sit there and say, well, we're not going to advertise anymore, there's penalties involved for stuff like that because that's it's a, it's a contract. So when I hear all of these companies saying we're not going to advertise anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, They've hit the pause button because they can do that. They can sit there and say, okay, hang on. We're going we're gonna to pause for a second. We need to reevaluate. Maybe we change how many spots we run. Maybe we change which spot we run. We're going to change the artwork on the ad, something different. There are different reasons, legitimate reasons, why a client would hit the pause button and say, hold off on the other ads we're going to make a change. And that's what I feel like is happening over at Twitter because you've got all of these companies now that are very quietly coming back and starting to advertise on Twitter again because Twitter did not explode, did not implode, did not, you know, burn with fire. It's It so far has survived and seems to be flourishing. I mean, Elon keeps posting about how all the... The daily user counts keep going up, and engagement is up, and all of this. So, in the wake of all of that, I think Facebook is next. I think you're. I think you're probably right. I'm getting quite bored with Facebook, and uh, it's real repetitious. I mean, as you know, I'm pretty active and uh, stimulate a lot of uh, debate. And uh, 
but yeah, it's becoming uh, the people that are most interesting are uh, not there as much anymore. Yeah, well, and the other the other part of that too is, you know, Facebook is in trouble already. You know, they've laid off twelve thousand people. They've spent fifteen billion dollars on this on this metaverse VR boondoggle that they've got. And now you've got this uh, this thing here with this bill that's in there in Congress to talk about, you know, protecting the media. Uh, Facebook parent company. This is uh, this is CNET. Meta threatens to pull news from Facebook if Congress passes media bill. Uh, this is December fifth. Facebook parent company Meta on Monday threatened to remove news from its social media platform in the U.S. if Congress approves a bill that would allow news organizations to collectively bargain with tech companies for compensation. So basically the way this works is is Facebook as a platform pays money to the media groups, I, I guess, for the use of their stuff. You know, you put it, thing, which kind of runs counterintuitive to me because you would think that if you're Newsweek or you're the New York Times and you want to get in front of people, you would pay Facebook for that, as opposed mm -hmm. to yeah. Facebook paying you. But I guess it, I guess it goes back to being some kind of a similar situation like you get with affiliate marketing. So, like, say if we if we have an affiliate marketing deal with Paramount Plus, for example, then we have a little ad widget. On our .com, that's a Paramount Plus ad, and if anybody clicks it, and if they sign up for Paramount Plus, we get a we get a, a piece of that. So for Facebook, they're running. You know, the New York Times is on Facebook. Somebody clicks in and, and subscribes to to New York Times through the Facebook stuff. Maybe maybe Facebook gets. I, I I'm not clear on how this works for Facebook to be paying the media companies. For this, because Facebook is not a publisher, they're not unless they're they're paying for reprint rights or distribution rights or something. But in in that case, that means that Facebook is not a platform, right? And so then you get back into that whole Section Two Thirty <laughs> question. So this one is a little this one's a little wonky for me. Yeah, because it's usually individuals posting on Facebook. I don't think Facebook goes out and grabs uh, grabs headlines and reposts them. So they're saying that I um, that I if I do that, that they have to pay pay the New York Times or whoever might be reposting. Yeah, see that it just doesn't make any uh, sense to me. Yeah, and I, I think the key thing is, and it starts with Twitter, but it also goes back to this, and that's, you know, you don't buy advertising from the people you like. I mean, that's not the point. The point is you go to the medium that's the most efficient way to reach potential clients for your product, whatever it is. So when you say, well, I don't like Twitter, so I'm going to cut off my advertising. What you've really done is you've, you've cut off your own nose despite your face. You've said, I'm no longer going to use their platform as a way to reach potential customers. I mean, I saw this, I, I have a friend that was in the grocery business and he got disgusted with the local um, media uh, people. And he said, no, I'm not going to advertise anymore. And, you know, it became this big war and everything. Well, ultimately, they both came back. Yeah. I mean, the, the media lowered their rates and he started buying again because they needed each other. That's the truth. And that's the truth with Twitter and it's the truth with Facebook. You know, the, the Facebook benefits enormously when I post an interesting story from the New York Times on my site. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's the truth. The New York Times benefits from that. What this bill is proposing is that, um, that the New York Times get together with the Los Angeles Times and NBC and collectively they're allowed to, to bargain with Facebook for the use of their content. Okay, well, I, you know, I don't know whether that's going to work or not. I have no idea. But here's what I know is that Facebook needs them to be posting and they need to have their stories posted on Facebook. So whether it's done through collective bargaining or some other way, um, they need each other. 
especially in today's environment where people don't read the newspaper yeah. or watch broadcast television, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. how, how else are they going to get that kind of volume of readers or eyeballs? Well, oh, yeah. it's, and it, I, it's called the, the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, <laughs> yes. which that <laughs> in, 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 in and of itself, yeah. I mean, that's kind of as if as if any of that stuff is journalism right <laughs> right um but it says here uh and andy stone meta's head of policy communications posted here on twitter if congress passes an ill-considered journalism bill as part of national security legislation i'm going to circle back to that in a minute we will be forced to consider removing news from our platform altogether rather than submit to government mandated negotiations that unfairly disregard any value we provide to news outlets through increased traffic and subscriptions. The Journalism Competition and Preservation Act fails to recognize the key fact. Publishers and broadcasters put their content on our platform themselves because it benefits their bottom line, not the other way around. No company should be forced to pay for content users don't want to see, and that's not a meaningful source of revenue. Put simply, the government creating a cartel-like entity which requires one private company to subsidize other private entities is a terrible precedent for all American businesses. So the way he's the way he's presenting it, I, it looks like Facebook doesn't pay for this kind of thing yet. So I probably had that wrong to begin with. And and this they just had to go through this on Australia because Australia passed a bill like this that said you're going to have to pay for the news content. So Facebook took it all out. So in Australia, you don't get news content on your Facebook feeds. I guess this yeah. <laughs> when did when did the government when did the government decide that they're involved in collective bargaining i mean you've got this thing now going with the railroads here last couple of weeks and they're getting involved in this with the with the journalism and the press and 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 social media platforms this to me seems like a little bit of overreach for one but also to have this in as part of a national defense bill <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. that that feels well, there's, there's that all feels kinds a little... of stuff that's being stuck in that national yeah. defense yeah. bill yeah that's just one of them yeah we need and that I, line item back exactly well and I, I do think you know it is it is absolutely true that traditional media uh traditional you know newspapers tv stations all those have suffered a lot because of social media yeah. They don't have near the readership or eyeballs that oh, they yeah. used to have. So their ad revenue is lower and all that kind of stuff. This is uh, some kind of governmental attempt to help or save those outlets. I, it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense to me, but that's what they're doing. They're trying. Again, I have a hard time believing it would be a meaningful amount of money. I mean, yeah. is, is Facebook going to say every time that Matthew post an article they have to pay a little more money so yeah I, well the other part of that, that too we were talking about this a little bit last night on on uh, shagsworth channel where we we have gotten so much attention on the national and international media and you know however you feel about the media and however you feel about the government there's a lot uh, at the federal level at the national and international level where if you're sitting there, you say, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what I see. I how, But it's it feels so big that you can't change it, right? That maybe this is an opportunity to start encouraging people to start smaller. Go back to your local newspapers and your, you know, we're talking about voting, you know, changing your, your city councils and, and your mayor and the school board and, and starting at that level with the change that you want to see at the macro level, it starts in the municipalities. And maybe media is the same way. Maybe it's, you know, we go because we've got a we've got a small newspaper that uh, that drops every now and again over in this area. And, you know, used to be Dallas had three. I mean, you had the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, yeah. you had the Dallas Times-Herald, you had the Dallas Morning News. And then all of the different cities had theirs. I mean, Irving had one and, and Hersey's Bedford. So maybe we need to figure out a way to make local publications a little bit more viable. And we don't need so much 
the Facebook presence and and that sort of thing. Yes, that's going to be a thing, but it it almost seems like there's a mindset involved here where we're so dependent on our social media for everything. We need to break that habit. How do we do that? Well, you know, and I think the other thing that's happened is there just isn't a big appetite for any kind of investigative journalism on a local basis or a national basis. And what we're seeing is through, you know, groups like ProPublica and others, uh, the independent journalists who do investigative journalism, they aren't tied to newspapers or TV stations and stuff anymore. They have to be independent because, the, the, you know, this is just my opinion, but my opinion is, um, you know, the local newspaper struggles uh, to to have uh, ad revenues and stuff like that. And if you've got somebody who's doing investigative journalism and it touches upon any of those advertisers or anything, then then it hurts them. So there's a conflict of interest there. Those lines used to be rigid. They aren't rigid anymore at all. Yeah. And, you know, the basically the local newspaper has become you know, like a church newsletter. It's mostly <laughs> announcements, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and half the stories are nonprofit stories that, you know, that they provide their press releases that the nonprofits provide. And then they, you know, dress them up a little bit and slap them on the front page of the paper. But there's darn little traditional journalism uh, that takes place in any of those local outlets anymore. Mm -hmm. All right, hang on. I got to hit a bot, hit yeah. a bot. <laughs> All right. No, I don't want to find love in my town. I'm married. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. So, well, and the and the other part of it too, I think, is the the fact. I mean, you you talk about independent journalism, and you look at what's going on with Twitter. I mean, you know, Matt Taibbi, and and Barry Weiss are the go-to reporters that he's that Elon Musk has said. Yeah. You, you're the ones that are going to put this out. You know, Barry's got her own uh, thing going over on Substack. And I think I think Taibbi's got a Substack as well. And, you know, you have this independent journalism. Puck is a is another publication, Matthew Baloney and his his group over there. It's almost like we don't even trust the mainstream media anymore. I can't imagine why. <coughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but uh, well. There's a the bigger the company, the more government influence you're going to have. It's all, kind of always been that way. Uh, the smaller companies, the independent ones, don't have they don't have to please as many people. They don't have to please their subscribers. But you know, once you're a billionaire, you got to play ball. <laughs> That's a good way we, of saying. I think we saw. I think we saw that with uh, Twitter. Yeah, it's, but uh, is you know, they're, they're just really big. but is Elon playing ball though? I mean, you know, he's got he's got Ed Markey coming after him, threatening an investigation, and oh, I, I don't think he is now. Right. So I think he's might be the exception. So I like to think he is. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, um, I I think you know they were scared to death that he was going to take over Twitter. And then he was going to try to clean up the biases and things, you know, mm -hmm. and what he's proven since he's taken over Twitter is he's cleaning up the biases and things. Right. I mean, now we find that, you know, one of the top lawyers for the company used to be the top lawyer for the FBI and that yeah. he was even involved. Not only was he involved in the stuff, you know, over the last year, as late as last week, he was vetting the materials that were being passed along to the to the independent journalists. Yeah, and okay, and, by, I mean, and by vetting, let's be clear, uh, he was scrubbing yeah. stuff. Absolutely, absolutely, and there's just no place for that. Yeah. You know, I just so, wonder if documents were destroyed. Nah, that, a lot that of people. Wonders. Yeah, a lot everybody of people are wonders. wondering if there's backup copies there to all of that. You almost think there'd have to be at this point. And I think that, you know, in typical fashion, it's a it's a relatively small group that is uh, upset about this. I mean, you can read the mainstream stuff. They're all going, why are we talking about stuff that happened two years ago? There's yeah. nothing to this. Yeah. There's no, you know, yeah. but, you know, what I saw personally when I watched the um, 
the Tucker Carlson piece. I mean, it's, I guess, on Fox Nation now as an independent documentary uh, about the Biden family and their influence, and it includes this issue. It's pretty hard to refute the facts. I mean, you can, you can say you don't like it or all those kinds of things, but when somebody's laying the facts out in front of you, it's pretty hard to deny facts. Well, and from a technology standpoint, too, I mean, you, you look at, uh, historically, you look at things like AT&T, for example, where everything gets broken up. And now we've got, you know, Facebook, or, or rather Apple and Google, both under investigation in the UK. You've got a lot of people that are sitting there saying these these companies have gotten too big. Meta's too big. Google's too big. Alphabet's too big. You know, all of these things need to be taken down a notch or two. What do you think the odds are from a from a financial standpoint? Would it make sense? What kind of an impact would it have to break up these companies? You know, Alphabet, Google, you have to sell YouTube. You have to sell, Inst- you know, Meta, you have to sell Instagram. You have to get rid of, of uh, Oculus. You know, break break up these companies into little baby bells. What, what kind of an impact would that do financially over these companies, do you think? Well, there used to be laws, uh, and maybe there's still laws. I don't think they're as strict as they used to be. But, you know, like the number of television stations that one person could own. You know, or a number of radio stations. There, there was a deliberate um, uh, government uh, policy that that tried to limit the amount of power that a particular group could could acquire over television or radio or newspapers and things. I think that's backed off some now, but you have to wonder if those same forces don't apply to a huge universal pack platform like. Twitter or Google or Facebook. I mean, it's what we're seeing now is there's an enormous amount of power in the information and in the platform. Um, and, and it has been used for both good and evil. Well, in meta in the last five days, I mean, you look at this, you look at this very precipitous drop here, you know, it went on December 5th. It went to from, uh, from 122, Dropped all the way down to 114 in a day. Um, that doesn't look good. Yeah, down from what, uh, 350 a little over a year ago? Let's see, year to date. Yeah, look at that. There's, there's uh, 323, 336 on January 4th. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote it all. <laughs> yeah. sadly yeah. well and then here's this one i mean you talk about media and having you know the problems that the media are facing this is buzzfeed they're down to a dollar eight a share you know buzzfeed's just dying on the vine here and a lot of people don't have any respect for buzzfeed anyway but you know it, it these these media companies are doing this to themselves almost you would think right and it's a competitive marketplace. The good ones survive, the bad ones go away. Yeah, well, and and Mindy, Mindy just reminded me in the chat, they've laid off a bunch of people. Yes. You know, and you've got, uh, let's see, um, here's, here's Forbes. Adobe is going to cut 100 employees. Plaid is, is cutting 260 employees. This is brand new. Plaid's a tech startup. Adobe, I don't think Adobe has a lot of people to, to, to begin with. You know, and Adobe's Photoshop and Premiere and, you know, all of these things. And for the, for the longest while, Adobe has been all cloud-based software. You know, you can't buy Photoshop on a disk anymore and just install it on your computer. It's all yeah. cloud-based. So what happens if Adobe goes away? If they uh, shut down, what mm-hmm. happens to all of your cloud-based products? Folks, buy physical yeah. media. Physical media. I just, I, well, I don't they, understand. They will go away, but the, the, the assets will not disappear. You know, they'll, they'll basically be acquired by somebody else or whatever. And I, I don't have any clue at all about the financial uh, situation for Adobe. I mean, as far as I know, there's nothing wrong with that company. I'm just saying, in general, software companies and things like that, they don't just pull up stakes and die. They they right. become acquired by somebody else, usually. Yeah. 
Now, the other the other aspect of this in in the media side of things, I mean, we talk about a lot of the tech layoffs. You've got AMC Networks also uh, is is another media company. And we've talked about Disney in the past. You know, they're doing the hiring freeze and the layoffs and whatnot. Now we got AMC Networks. CEO Christina Spade, she lasted three months. <laughs> and she said, done, see ya. And you've got yeah. AMC is is hurting. They've got a they've had a number of executives uh, have exited in the last few weeks. This is um, this is November 29th, but it was it's been updated. Uh, AMC Networks Chairman James Dolan warned of layoffs at the media company in a staff memo to employees as newly installed CEO Christina Spade steps down after a tenure of only three months. It hadn't been immediately immediately clear what was behind her departure, but Dolan's memo notes weakening financials. So, so did she leave, or was she told to leave? That I don't know. I, I, things change really fast in the media world. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah. And uh, whatever plans they had and whatever reasons they brought her on and all that kind of thing, uh, clearly something changed. Yeah. Well, and, and well, it's, a, year, a year and a half ago, all these media companies were doing quite well and uh, in a race to see who could be the most woke. And I think somewhere along the way, people forgot uh, they need to make money use their customer base and uh yeah that's the most important thing you got to make money you make money with happy customers disney has apparently totally forgotten who their customers are so well and and there be and there there could be some fallout to that as well because we've got these reports now because you know phase four of the marvel stuff not doing as well as anybody wanted it to. So phase five and phase six could be affected by a restructuring because now we've got Bob Iger back in the in the in the CEO position. And there's rumor, there's word here that Disney Disney is looking at Marvel and restructuring, you know, with restructuring all of their executive stuff under Iger, they're also looking at operational changes that could affect the rollout of the next couple of faces of the marvel stuff and who knows what's going to happen with star wars because you know half of everything they announce never happens <clears throat> but i find it interesting on that front that we find out this week who the front runner is to replace bob Iger as ceo in the, in the next couple of years did y'all see that you did see it. No. Uh, it was it's it's a woman, but I can't remember who. It's it's not just a woman. It is specifically a woman, um, <laughs> who was who was instrumental in the ouster of Bob oh, uh, Chapek. It was it's Chapek, C- yeah. CFO Christine McCarthy, <laughs> who's right. who's the one now who's hey by the way, um, here's. Here's the next CEO. What a coincidence, right? Yeah, I would just be reluctant if I was any kind of CEO in any kind of company to announce anything that's supposed to take place three years down the road. Yeah. I just think mm-hmm. it's absurd. Yeah. Um, so many things can happen on a day-to-day basis, and especially in today's environment, yeah. that uh, I just think that's dangerous. I, I look at this photo. I look at this photograph, though, of of Christine McCarthy, and I'm I'm looking at this. I'm thinking those are some, those are some those are some crazy eyes there. I don't know that I'd want to look at this person. Bob now, Iger didn't look too. I did not picture. say that, Jason. <laughs> I mean, that's. Well, I don't know that I've ever I seen a photograph had green, of her before. She had the green light, strange world, so that would have. Uh, <laughs> There you go. The consequences of that have not yet been yeah. felt. Well, right? and, you know, and this the, the <laughs> irony is they're 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 blaming Bob Chapek for all this stuff, but all of all of these projects that have bombed lately, Lightyear, Strange World, all these, these got greenlit under Bob Iger. Yeah, and, and I, I I don't so, and I'm not defending Bob Iger. Yeah. I am just pointing out that no, I know. even if it was his idea three years ago, much of the execution of that 
the, the yeah. actual production, the storylines, all that kind of stuff came under his successor. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, you know, he started it. So it's his problem. Well, I, I don't necessarily buy that a hundred percent. I think that no, some nobody of that, ever makes the movie they think they're going to. Well, well I think that, that's true too. That's yeah. that's true too. But I think some of it too is, yeah. And we've and we've talked about this before on a number of of shows where Iger saw the writing on the wall, got out when he could, let set Bob Chapek up to take the fall for all of this, and then come back and be the hero. And, and I don't know that he necessarily planned to come back. But he definitely did sabotage Bob Chapek, I think. But, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's just me. You know, somebody just told me in the last two months or three months, we were talking about succession plans and companies and stuff. And they say, you know, one, one of two things happens. Either the person who comes along to take your place does better than you or does worse than you. And both of them are a problem for you. Yeah, <laughs> and there is, and that is, and there there is truth about that. No matter which way it goes, uh, you're going to have some discomfort. Yeah, well, and I've seen I've seen one article in Variety that acknowledges that most of the problems that Disney is facing, that Bob Iger has to clean up, are the responsibility and the and and were instigated by Bob Iger. There, there's one article that I saw on Variety that says, hey, you know, Disney's got to contend with the notion that this is all Iger's fault to begin with. Yeah, he's coming in to play cleanup, and he's and he's keeping a lot of policies in place as far as, you know, the hiring freezes, and we're going to have to do some layoffs and all these cuts. All of this austerity stuff that JPEG was getting started on, Iger's going to keep going. I mean, he's not the he's not the savior, the anti woke savior that everybody is wanting to to make him out to be because he started all of that stuff. And it's I imagine he's not going to be. It's also interesting it. though that uh, at least on the outside, that Eisner has been very supportive of Iker coming back as well. Well, you I know? hadn't seen uh, that. Another guy, massive shareholder, massive insider, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just so hard for us to know what all's gone on there. I wonder. I wonder how much Christine McCarthy is connected to BlackRock. <laughs> just, just you know, random, random question. Right? <laughs> well, know. and we talked a couple weeks ago about the potential of this being tied in with uh bahama boy you know yes. and ftx and and all that and, and yeah. that they're there you know we, that still has not been established well and the funny okay. the funny thing is you look at you look at stuff like what's going on with twitter where you got james baker showing up you know and and he was very instrumental in in and prominently featured in the whole crossfire hurricane russia 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 thing and as we find different things, you know, the Twitter files come in and open things up. And Baker started at Twitter in June of 2020. And a lot of people are wondering if he might be an FBI plant. I don't know that I'd go that far. <clears throat> but you look at a lot of this stuff, a lot of the, a lot of the things that are coming out about all these companies. We talk about, we talk about um, uh, advertising. You look at the stuff that's going on with Balenciaga, for example. And that yes. mess, yeah. and who's responsible for that? Who 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 let this one pass? You know, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is all of this is going to end up being connected somehow. <laughs> I, I was like, because you keep That's seeing like the, you keep seeing the same. Theory. It is well, you keep seeing the same names pop up over yeah, and well, over and over again. That's you true. know, it's like wait, wait, you, they hired they hired this guy, this well, guy that did the, that. That's the no, that's the point that, and I don't remember who it was, but I heard somebody talking this morning on the radio as I was driving in, and that was the point they were making. What does this say about the Twitter culture before Elon Musk right. that they hired this character as a lawyer for the company? Yeah, yeah. Uh, question in the chat: the woman that Chapek uh, answered yeah. to that would be Susan Arnold, who was the chairman of the the, the chair of the board afterwards, and still is. And yes. Susan Arnold is the one that Christine McCarthy went to in their last minute emergency session and said, Chapek's going to ruin us. Um, conveniently, but, uh, right before the right before the, the FTX thing came out and, you know, the timing of that, we all we all 
think is a little a little suspicious. But whatever whatever she brought to the board, or whatever she brought to Susan Arnold, had to be convincing enough that they made a decision like that over the weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, th this wasn't just Susan Arnold getting up one morning and saying, I've decided I don't like this guy. Right. This was more about, hey, somebody blew a whistle and everybody looked at it and said, this can't go on. We got to do something. What are we going to do? And ultimately decided to bring Bob Iger back. But, you know, there has to be something there. Well, There's smoke there. So there and, has to be something. And the narrative. And, yeah. and I agree with Cameron Pasha when he talks about how much how this doesn't make sense that Christine McCarthy would be caught flat footed by all of this stuff because she's yeah. the she's the chief financial officer. She right. would be bringing the numbers to Bob Chapek. If anybody's doctoring the numbers, cooking the books, it would be your chief financial officer at least would be aware of the discrepancy and would bring it to the CEO and say, hey, we've got a problem. But the way the way the narrative is playing out, there's suspicion that Chapek wasn't aware of the exposure that Disney had through the FTX thing. And, oh, crap, he's going to find out on Monday. We have to do something about this. And that's where all of this happened. Uh, how much how much there is to that? Who knows? That's right. But I don't know. It's I think it's going to be that way. These last minute late night oh crap discoveries are going to be coming out for a lot of this stuff you know uh the the question uh, ceo reviewing ads um specifically for balenciaga i don't know but usually your ceo is not that hands-on when it comes to deciding what the marketing campaigns are going to look like you've you've got your marketing department you've got your chief marketing officer or communications officer you have somebody at the executive level who's responsible for all of that now if something goes completely haywire wrong and your company now has this very bad pr situation i would imagine the ceo at, at that point would say uh, what's going on? Brief me in. Tell me what's happening here. If you're a very hands-on CEO, like it appears Elon Musk is, he's going to be in that process all along the way. It just depends on the company. It depends on what kind of CEO that you've got. But if you have uh, a chief marketing officer that you can trust, you sit there and say, okay, this is where we're going to go. The marketing department comes in and they probably make some kind of a presentation or something that says, this is the new campaign. And a lot of people have got to sign off on it. So you're right. This this did not happen in a vacuum. And the well, what's terrifying that are... is they may have some reason to think that's their target audience. Right. That's, that's bothersome to me. That they yeah, think yeah. It My wife work. always, when we see a television commercial or something that we think is just bad, I mean, just stupid, obnoxious, whatever. I mean, she always says, you know, just realize that there was a room full of people and this was their best thought, <laughs> yeah, you know? Right. That, I mean, and, and it is true. Um, it, it's just like you say, that the CEO may not be involved in that process, but I almost guarantee that no, no national TV ad hits the airwaves without people signing off on it all the way yeah. to the top. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and what, what, I find, what I find troubling <clears throat> And I'm being generous with that. I am genuinely disturbed by a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing. But the analysis of the imagery, you know, people going in and saying, this means this, this is this, here's this, here's this pentagram, and here's this thing, and here's that thing, and here's this stack of books, and this is what's in those stack of books. I mean, people are doing deep dives into a lot of this stuff. The, the caution tape, the role of caution tape that's in one of those photographs that's got Balenciaga <laughs> on the tape it's spelled wrong. It's spelled with two A's. So you have the name of Bell in there. And Balenciaga, if you translate it from, I think, Italian or Latin, Bell is, Bale is life or something. I mean, it's like, hold on. Now, Bell, of course, also another name for Moloch. And Moloch, you have all of, you know, the child sacrifices. I was like, this is, this is just, how does any of this get past anybody, Right. Yeah, some of it is just, you know, plain stupid luck, coincidence or whatever. But once you're, you're it being, happens you're being and people start studying. No, no, no. You're no I really believe this. I, I do think, you know, some of it may be deliberate. 
Some of it is just stupid coincidence. But once people start studying it, then, I mean, you know, you've lost any ground yeah. that you had anyway. I mean, it's just... I'm not sure how any of this could be accidental because in one of the ads, you've got yeah. pap paperwork from various different court cases revolving <laughs> around children it's and this stuff. And, and, the, and the parent company, turns out, the parent company sells dolls. Like, childlike dolls for certain things. This just keeps getting worse and worse. And the and the and the CEO of that company is married to Salma Hayek. It's her yes. husband. I'm like, hold oh. on, wait oh. a minute. This is just no, no. At some point your brain just kind of shuts down. And you're like, I can't yeah. take anymore. <laughs> you know, cabin in the woods. Gone. Bye. I, I I am at that point of brain shutting down, can't take it anymore. You know, much <laughs> yeah. of the time anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> let so let me ask you this general population sees this stuff you know the normies the the people who are not educated experienced in this particular type of information you have you have your various areas of expertise you know plumbers are not necessarily going to know the ins and outs of how media works you know that kind of thing i'm not saying stupid people but they're genuinely ignorant of processes and things that are going on behind the scenes. I know my kid, for example, doesn't pay attention to anything that's going on if it doesn't involve him. But you've got people out there, once they start to realize what's going on, this Twitter thing, the Balenciaga thing, the stuff going on to Facebook, you know, all of these, all of these layoffs and all of these different companies, at some point they got to look around and they say, you know what, enough is enough. Something's got to change. Are, are we on the cusp of, a, of some kind of an economic upheaval of some sort? Civic unrest because of the economy? Where, where, where are we in six months? Yeah, yeah, I think in about three months you're going to know when people get their heating bills. That's going to be a, a, major, a major awakening. And uh, a company with, I've got to think, Costs will continue to rise just because nothing else because of diesel, and uh, hopefully the truckers will continue to operate. Apparently, the trains will. <laughs> yeah. So it could be a, a lot of upheaval. I mean, no, short food shortages are probably imminent, I, largely because of the lack of fracking and the lack of natural gas production. Yeah. So, which means the lack of ammonium nitrate fertilizer. So that that's that's probably be a year out. So. Well, and that's, I mean, also, that's this is a pretty deep dive into what you mentioned. But well, that's also that also is you know all, discretionary income is going to dry up, which means people are not going to go to the movies. They're not going to they're not you know the streaming mm -hmm. services are going to take a hit. You know, you've got all these companies that are reorganizing. All these media companies are reorganizing. They're not going to have customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. you know, I, I've I've become largely a skeptic because of my working in the investment world for years, because there's always somebody telling you what's going to happen next. And I just have, you know, little uh, faith in any of them. Um, but I do think, so, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book years ago called The Tipping Point, and mm -hmm. basically said that, you know, you, you finally, you know, get to some point of momentum where change happens. And, and I think, you know, you can make a strong argument for what you said a minute ago about the fact that, you know, we may be approaching a tipping point here. What I find uh, difficult is to say, you know, what's the result of that tipping point? I can say, yes, something is coming, mm -hmm. but I don't know whether the results are political or economic or uh, fashion. I, I mean, that's where I don't know. I, I do think that we are probably approaching a tipping point. I don't know what the consequences of that are or the timing of it either, for that matter. Yeah. Well, economics rule the world, and America's always been driven by cheap energy, and, uh, and uh, we, don't, we don't have it now, and we won't ever have it uh, in the foreseeable future. So. I agree. Fun times. <laughs> Life is an adventure. May you live in interesting times. Right? Oh, yeah. man, we certainly are with that. Now, how, yes. do, how do you go through this and not be blackpilled? Where, 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 is, where is a possible, potential, maybe kind of, sort of, source for some optimism in all of this? 
you know, the, the, it's the black swan events, you know, what, what they say is that, you know, it's the black swan events, both positive and negative that change things the most dramatically. Yeah. And they are, they are unpredictable on both sides. I mean, when something bad happens, I mean, like we can all see where the economics are today, but we don't know what that event might be. That's sort of catastrophic that becomes the black swan event that changes things. The same thing's true on the plus side though. You don't know what the next innovation is, what the next product is, what the next, and, and that's where you find the optimism is there are things hanging out there right now today that none of the three of us know about that are gonna change the world. You know, they're gonna change the world for the good. We don't know what they are. We don't know when they're coming, but history tells us they will come. And I think that is, that's the reason for optimism. Your lips to God's ears, Dan. <laughs> I hope it goes the other direction from God's ears to my lips. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's it too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 with Mazers on this. I'm tired of the interesting times. You know, just <laughs> me too. give me something I, too. I can I hang it. my hat on, and and you know, because you you look at at some of this stuff, and it's you know, it's hard not to assume that things are going to get. We know it's going to get worse, and you have conversation. I have I have conversation with my mother. On a, I, every now and again, and I tell her, you know, you guys need to. And we stock up on the on the food products and the staples, you know, the bread and the cheese and the and the butter and that kind of thing. And like, you need to be prepared because it's going to get worse. And she's a little less pessimistic. Oh, it's not going to get that bad. So, look, look, summer of love of twenty twenty. That's picnic in a park compared to what could come out of all of this. And maybe I'm being a little bit more pessimistic. Maybe I'm being a little bit more cynical because, you know, it kind of, that's who I am a little bit. <laughs> but it is, uh, it it's because I'm, I keep waiting for the people to sit there and say, enough, you know? And, and at that point, when the people who just want to be left alone aren't left alone long enough, it's going to get ugly. Mm. Yeah. And I keep waiting for that shoe to drop. And every single time we find out more, you know, here's this thing with Twitter. Here's this thing with Facebook. Here's this thing with Balenciaga. Here's this thing with Biden. Here's this thing with Trump. Here's this, you know, but what, how much do we put up with? This is, these are, these, this is crazy. It's just absolutely yeah, When people crazy. start walking off their job to uh, go to protests, that's when things happen. I, I don't think to most of the protests that, have happened the last few years. Not too many people are missing work to go to them. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. So, I'm not sure most of the protesters actually even work. To be honest. Well, that, yeah, that's I, kind I, of I, what I, I meant. Kind of point. <laughs> oh, well, it is going to be interesting to see what 2023 has in store. I I've told people, I'm just going to have a blank bingo card. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a fill in the blank bingo card. Whatever happens, happens. Yep. It's on my bingo card. That's, that's what happens. So, because so much unexpected things, but it's all, Oh, not a surprise. Oh, that happened. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Pilgrim's pride. There was another food processing fire, you know, Pilgrim's pride, uh, in, I want to say Virginia, South Carolina, somewhere mm -hmm. over there, a, a food processing plant ca caught fire. Oh, I'm shocked. You know, that's what, 35, 40 in the last two years? It's crazy. And over the weekend, a uh, power plant was shot up just with yeah. high-powered rifles, and 30,000 people, I believe, were out of and power. They're, and they're now under curfew. How crazy I mean, that is happen. that? I mean, I haven't <laughs> seen stuff it? like, what, the Watts riots, the, the Rodney King riots? How, when's the last time that an entire an entire area of the country was put under curfew in the United States because of because of unrest because of you know criminal activity or domestic terrorist activity whatever it is that you want to call it we got we got yep. we got some rough times ahead mm -hmm. yeah anyway all right 
It's time to. I read that. Time to find so that the cabin. Walmart is actually planning on closing some stores due to shoplifting. Yeah. Walmart. Yeah. I, I mean, think I saw Target was Target was going to do staggering. that too. Yeah. Well, and the other part that's of that is is how many how many of these places are shutting down because they don't have enough people to work. That you know, too. I went through I went through Sonic the yeah. other day and I pulled into the to the drive up, you know, the little kiosk they got up front, right? And I popped the button to make my order and they said, Well, we're just drive through right now. Yeah. Because they didn't have enough people to right. to do the outside and and the drive through. So they're they're completely drive through. And I'm spending twice as much as I did three years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Completely true. Yeah. <sighs> Going to get worse before it gets better. But it will get better. We it have to believe better. it will it get will. better. It's just going to take us. There's going to be a little pain involved, but we'll get there. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Dad, Matt, thanks very much for being here. Where can people find you guys for uh, for stuff and things? Uh, mine, uh, go to askdandanford.com. It's a good place. You can submit questions if you want. You can also find uh, other links to me. And I am still invisible. Yes. So, um, you got to do something and, about uh, that, Matt. We need to, we need to get you some more business. Camera that uh, I can actually shut the auto iris off on. So. <laughs> You got to you got to do something about getting out from the invisibility cloak here. We need to get you some more business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. I will. I got to get. I got to get permission from multiple broker dealers and uh, advisor. So yeah, I got it. That's a, that's a pain. And so, and you can find and you can find us on all these different uh, social media platforms and video platforms. Do connect with us on Odyssey and Rumble. We're trying to get those numbers up, uh, just in case YouTube implodes. Uh, and all these other social media platforms in case Twitter dies in a fire. So uh, connect with us over there. Coming up, I do want to encourage everybody to go check out a, uh, a, a show that we did yesterday. Talk to Chad Coleman. Uh, he of The Walking Dead and The Orville. He's got a new Christmas movie that's coming out this weekend. Uh, so go uh, take a look at that. And then tomorrow, not tomorrow, Friday, we've got Open Line Friday. And Saturday... Uh, the evening edition, we're going to have Good Evening Multiverse at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central, because I've got some work stuff, and we've got to rearrange the schedule. So there is that. So that's going to do it for us here, folks. Thanks very much for being here. We'll see you Wednesday. Everybody keep your heads down. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.